Hello and welcome to Irreverent Testimony, brought to you by Netroots Radio, the political podcast by and for millennial and Gen Xer types from a left-wing perspective. It is Saturday, April 20th, 2019. I'm Travis. I'm Rachel. And today is the 20th anniversary of the Columbine Massacre. Yes. Um, I don't know how uh, else to describe it. Yep. Yep. Um, It's a big day for Colorado. Um, In the worst possible way, right? There's been a lot of uh, reporting locally, um, sort of like looking back and talking to survivors. And um, yeah, it's been sort of an emotional week. Uh, I was in high school when Columbine happened. Um, and it's very personal for me because I was a goth kid growing up mm-hmm. and, um, the way that, especially initially, um, the shooting was sort of framed was that it was, uh, sort of satanic panic. Um, these goth kids who listened to Marilyn Manson and, uh, that was the cause of the shooting, and um, the- well, that just came up again. Yeah. I don't even know if it was this week. There was a—I don't even remember what the shooting was now. But there was a guy, a young young guy, who planned to or did shoot up something, and they were blaming he listened to black metal, right? And that, it's like, oh my god, we're doing this again, aren't right. we? I mean, so we got pretty mercilessly bullied by not only other students but by the administration. Um, the kids that I knew across multiple um, schools in Colorado back then um, asking us to <clears throat> dress differently because we were scaring people and mm-hmm. like it was it was brutal it was a hard time um, and then of course years later we find out that like if none of that's true none of that has anything to do with any of it um, and a lot of the reporting at the time was just wrong um, yeah. that these were bullied kids that um that that was the cause and that they were violent video games and, and Marilyn Manson and all this stuff. And it turns out in fact that that's not true, that they were actually uh, bullies themselves. Mm -hmm. And um, especially, I can't remember which one. I think it was Dylan Klebold. Yeah. It was just like a real uh, sadistic guy. Um, So anyway, I've been listening to a lot of the stories coming back from the survivors um, 20 years later and how their lives are still impacted by what happened, and also um, how they have tried to help other survivors as the years have gone on, and there's been so many more um, mass shootings. They um, formed the Survivors Network, where they meet, I think it's like once a month, um, and just try to sort of process everybody's feelings, and you know, the thing that stands out to me that I think we should really think about is that a lot of these people who were kids 20 years ago um, are now, you know, my age, adults, and are still heavily, deeply uh, impacted and traumatized by what happened. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, they were talking about the Parkland kids at one point and just how, like, how amazing and brave and strong and just, you know, all of that. And also, this one lady was saying, and also I can see in their eyes a very familiar look of Mm -hmm. just like chaos and trauma and pain. And, um, and you know, I, it's hard. And 
Colorado, weirdly, it's we're kind of known for mass shootings. Yeah. And it's really sucks. It's hard to think of many states that aren't at this point, right? There's been at yeah. least one in almost every state. Um, but the one of the main reasons we're also bringing this up, but you know, before we get into all the Mueller Palooza stuff, which right. is that what you tuned in for? It's probably going to be more in the second half. Yeah. Um, is that earlier this week, and it's what everybody was talking about before Thursday. Uh, a young woman from Miami, my hometown, uh, who was for some reason, and, and now this has all been lost and people have stopped reporting on it just when we were hopefully going to start getting some details. But an 18 year old, you know, it's, I really consider her a girl. People say 18 year old woman, but she's I mean, a kid. she's a kid. She's a kid. And I'm I know legally sort of like she's not, but somehow obsessed with with Columbine. Columbine, and that's all we know. We didn't even got any details past that. Right. And she flew to Colorado, bought a shotgun in Littleton, which is a suburb just a little bit south of us, which is where Columbine High School, which located. is where Columbine is. About five minutes from the school is where the gun shop is, where she bought the gun. Yep she she bought a shotgun and legally. And Yes, legally, but the the gun store owner may have screwed up, and we'll talk about that in a little bit um, if you want. But the point is, she did this, apparently was tipped off to the fact that they were onto her, went out to Idaho Springs, which is about a uh, half hour, 45 minutes out west in the mountains from Denver, and police caught up with her there, and she somehow wound up dead, and that is still very fuzzy, too. And again, this was, I think this all happened Wednesday, and then Thursday, the Mueller report dropped, so the, the world stopped. Right. Um, yeah, though, they found her um, naked, mm -hmm. walking around in the mountains with a gun. Um, and the thing that's sort of confusing for me is, well, so many things about that story, but um, that uh, naked, obviously mentally ill child mm -hmm. um, was found dead. And from the initial reporting that we heard, it was self-inflicted, they say. Yeah. Um, but this kid, the details are so sketchy. You kill yourself with a shotgun, let's be honest. It, yes. Um, especially if you're, you know, a small person. It's not impossible. No, nope. Cobain showed us that it's possible, mm -hmm. but she's the, the very, I mean, it's just all of the details around it are sort of baffling. And while I well, hope we have so few details, that the she problem. did not um, end her own life, I also hope that she wasn't gunned down by a bunch of cops. Trigger-happy I mean, cops that yeah. were too... Uh, so but, locally yeah. here, you know, every school district in the metro area was shut down, yeah. was locked down. Not locked down, but like closed for the day because they didn't know where she was and they, they deemed it a credible threat, um, which is <clears throat> a pretty insane... Outcome. Yeah. I mean, it's 500,000 was the account I heard. 500,000 children didn't go to school one day because somehow we managed to not to to know that this was going to happen and not stop it before it did. Right. Mm -hmm. We knew that she was coming. We knew that she bought a gun. We knew that she wanted to attack a school because she was obsessed with Columbine. Somehow we knew all of that in advance enough to shut all the schools down. But at no step. In the process, did we stop any of that from happening until yeah. she was running around naked in the woods with a shotgun? Now, I mean, yeah. I, 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 uh, what a failure of well, some people of public are, policy. What a failure of of everybody. Some people are confused because the Polis had just signed our governor 
mm-hmm. into law the red flag laws. Correct. But this wouldn't have applied to her. No. Because this has to do with people that are on a specific mental health hold and who yes. already own guns. Yes. Um, but where the gun shop owner, and he was very quick to come out and say, hey, I didn't I'm, do anything wrong. I'm, right. But, but he's he, also very quick to be like, I'm definitely the one that sold her the gun. Yeah. Did not know, obviously. Yeah. And like, but no, he it came was clean. Me and, uh, you know. But, but he may have screwed up because uh, the what the law states is by Colorado law, yes, there was absolutely nothing once she passed the background check to uh, inhibit him from selling her the gun. But uh, Florida law is not as clear. And as far as Florida law goes, um, now that's tough. I mean, he's not in Florida. He's not in Florida, but I think gun store owners do have a responsibility. Um, No, but the law states that if you are coming from another state and trying to purchase a firearm, the sale, no matter what state you're in, the, the laws of both states apply whether you can sell that person the firearm. Now, that's tricky and it's tough and I'm sure it's confusing but that's something that but it's easier to buy a gun than pot <laughs> yeah yeah well, she she wouldn't have been able to buy pot she would have been able to no she would not you have to be 21 yeah so you can you're 18 you can buy a shotgun and go shoot up a school well, but not yeah. pot <laughs> yeah you could buy pot if you have a if, I mean which we have to remember today's also 420 right that's right and in Colorado um Oh God! People are going to be obnoxious. Yeah, I know. It's the Civic Center Park is all a buzz with all the. We're not big weed people. No, I mean, I will say that you use it for medicinal purposes. Absolutely, I think sort of hilarious for those of us who live in Colorado post legalization to watch to sort of remember the hysteria of it being legalized and to live yeah. here now and just be like, it's so ridiculous. Oh, it's it was, not it was reefer everywhere. madness. Remember oh that's God. what the people were talking about. Oh my God. There's going to be crime in the streets it's and gonna we don't be want chaos. It It's going to be the purge. All of these, yeah, exactly. And now it's just like, there's no, more money in the you economy. go into a pot store and it's literally like an apple store. <laughs> And they ask you a bunch of questions, and it's like this very like clean. No, it's much different than an Apple store. You walk in, you actually get service. You actually get service and help, right? And they answer your questions. They're incredibly (laughs) knowledgeable people who work there that like can find you the most niche specific thing that you could possibly want, including not just like what you would traditionally think of as pot, like what we call flour in the state, but like just as an aside, and oils and patches. You know, I had just moved here when when it passed. Mm-hmm. Or when it when it went into effect mm-hmm. in the summer of 2014, and the first year it was not like that. The first year it was a little snooty. It was a little the people that worked at the pot shops were a little, little nose in the air, a little clicky, a little like oh god, you don't know anything. Yeah. But now it's like no, there's tourists coming here, and this is how we make money, and they're very they've they've gotten rid of those people or retrained them. Right. <laughs> they're much more accommodating. Absolutely, now. absolutely. Um, and the other thing I would like to point out, um. Somebody posted, and I think this is really important because when we talk about pot and we talk about how it obvi- it's so obviously should be legal and the fact that it isn't everywhere is absurd. Yeah, that people are still um, sitting in jail cells because of pot. I'm going to read this is just tweet insane. from Margaret McLaughlin because I think it's a good summary of what else we should be talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, happy 420. As you get high today, remember, number one, the wealthy have always been able to get stoned and not get in trouble. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Number two, black people who were forced out of the formal economy used drug dealing as a way to make ends meet. Three, the white racist prison system jailed them and continued to do so. Four, weed legalization has largely benefited white people, driving more wealth into their pockets. Mm-hmm. 
2025. Black people who face time for this will continue to A, see the market they built co-opted by the white and rich, B, be discriminated against in the job market for having been jailed. Therefore, any discussion of marijuana legalization must include retroactive justice reform. Release every person who has been jailed for possession or sale of marijuana, but also all drugs, mm-hmm. and expunge the records of everyone who has been jailed for these crimes. So I think all that's true. Um, there, there was a study that was done in Colorado a couple of years ago um, looking at how many white people are in control of the capital of the legal pot system. Mm-hmm. And it's like 98%. Sure, yeah. Um, and the people that work in these systems, people that grow, the people that, like, it's almost entirely run by white people. Yeah. Um, and there's been a push in Colorado um, to try to open up that market to um, capital for people of color. Additionally, though, um, I'm very happy that post-2018, we have a very bright blue state. And one of the things that that means is that our Attorney General, Phil Weiser, um, has committed to expunging the records of everyone who's been convicted of a marijuana yep, offense. He ran on that, and he's doing he's it. He's doing it. And it's a it's a commitment that he made, and it's, it's a thing that he's following through on. And I really appreciate that, because I think that that's really the first step in in fully making the legalization of marijuana equitable um, and not just a thing for rich white people to come here and get stoned. Yeah. I mean, uh, back to this, um, the girl who came from Miami and soul Pice. Yeah. Soul Mm -hmm. Pice is her name. And that's all we know about her because like I said, this was, I think Tuesday or Wednesday and then Thursday the world stopped and no one's talking about this anymore. Um, but we don't, we don't know, but so much that we don't know. Well, how did they know that she was, obsessed with Columbine and coming here to commit like how did they know that we never got to that we don't know nobody I I guess eventually we'll find out but like I just I have no idea Um, maybe but here's the thing right like we were lucky because well I mean not lucky she's dead but ostensibly she could have just taken the gun she just bought drove for five minutes to Columbine High and started shooting now, we don't know if a right. security guard would have stopped her or now, what. The thing that's interesting to know about Columbine as a high school is that um, it people don't know this and they don't realize this, but um, it is subject to tons and tons of threats because oh, yeah. of its notoriety. Mm-hmm. Um, so they the have time. an incredibly robust security system and, and safety plans and programs in place. Um, and are regularly on lockdown because of threats, uh, yeah. because of their notoriety. And it's something that I think we should really talk about more and think about more because the kids that go to school there are already sort of historically traumatized by what happened, but then this <clears throat> consistent sort of um, threat level that they're under just because they happen to live in this neighborhood and in this school district and go to this school with this notoriety, I think is really uh, has to impact their mental health um, and. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what's to be done about that other than some people are calling for uh, sort of changing the district in a way that would split up the kids that go there. So it's different high school. So it doesn't have the same name. And it's not the same building. And then a lot of. The yeah, community there's members always are a like, pushback against that. that yeah. We don't ever forget. Blah, blah, blah. So and I don't, don't know. give in. to Right. The, but right. anyway, look, this is what I want to talk about. Let's let's go back and give a little primer again on what happened here after 
Not Columbine, because not much changed as far as the law. Well, it was so then. unheard of. Right. It was the first big one that everyone was like, holy fuck. This is the thing that can happen, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the first first, but it was the first in a while, I would well, say. Well, it was the first school shooting that was in a suburban neighborhood with a bunch of white kids yeah. that was not gang related. I mean. But then, of course, 2012 was the Aurora Theater shooting. Yes. And remind everybody what happened in the wake of that. So. The Aurora, right? Remember, if you don't remember, because you don't live here, uh, the the opening day of some Batman movie, The Dark Knight. Yeah, two thousand twelve. And this uh, very mentally ill man came and shot up <clears throat> a theater, and he has still not been um, prosecuted because his mental health is in such uh, question. Yeah, he's schizophrenic. Whether he's competent to stand trial or not, and they so far have found that he hasn't been. Um, anyway. So that happened, and uh, in the wake of that, we had um, lawmakers pass some common sense gun reform, um, and as a result of that common sense gun reform that was successfully passed and signed into law, uh, crazy conservative people in our state, of which there are many, particularly around gun rights, decided to recall some of the more vulnerable Democrats in Pueblo. And this was totally and funded by uh, and the NRA and ALEC. Yep. And it was successful. And so this last go-around, now that we're bright blue and we're passing some other common-sense gun reform, um, one of the legislators who's a, a Senate leader um, decided, Leroy Garcia from Pueblo, uh, voted against it. Um, mm. and pissed a lot of people off, but I also like I get it. <coughs> we didn't need his vote. Um, yeah, yeah. And politically, I can understand why you would look at the situation and think like the people of my district do not want this. Um, I do think times have changed, and I don't know that we'll have that same outcome. But um, it's interesting because as a segue from that, um. That's the last time that we had enough power to do this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And the the conservative efforts to recall people was really successful. And we're already seeing that um, again now that we have all of this power. Um, there are three different recall efforts for local lawmakers um, for no nothing of substance. It was, it's really not similar to the... Um, the gun rights bills back then, but I think that conservative activists in Colorado have decided like that was effective. Mm-hmm. And so they're trying to recall the governor for very like, we don't like him. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's not going to go. Anywhere. Um, no, it's yeah. not going anywhere. Yeah. And then, uh, rep Galindo, Rochelle Galindo, they're trying to recall. Um, and Meg, um, oh, what's her last name? Meg. The one we know. Mm hmm. Yep, she's also facing a a recall effort. All all of them have literally just been elected and have done almost, like, the session's almost over, so they've done some things, but, like, there's They haven't, like, introduced any big legislation. No, they just are, they're sort of vulnerable Democrats because of their district and won by not enough that they think that they might get some traction. So, it's interesting. Uh yeah, I think it's probably Recalls a waste of tough, their time and energy. Um, but yeah, we learned that because they were effective back then. I think that that's like that's the only thing that they have. They don't have any other way to have power. They're out. So I guess that's good. Let them waste their time and money mm-hmm. trying to recall people who've just the, their biggest sin is being Democrats. Right, like, and a recall effort requires 
a lot of signatures, and I just don't think that right now in Colorado there's the political will. No, uh-huh. they'll fake a lot of signatures, probably. I mean, these they, are Republicans. And we're then they, about. but that's we're pretty. We're, <laughs> we're pretty, not North Carolina. Like, no, we're pretty like we check that right. And um, we, even when we had a Republican Secretary of State, he was he wouldn't he would that wouldn't have flown with him. Right, and Jenna and, Griswold and now certainly we have, is not going to yeah. be like, oh, I'm sure these. Oh, are these fine. look fine. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, yeah, fuck no. No, but I'm just saying they'll try. Um, or who knows? It's stupid, right? Like when you. When you have, when you do a recall campaign, it's it's over something big, or yes. if it's like if you're a governor or something, and your state's economy is crashing, right? Right. Uh, or it needs to be really specific and really big, like like, uh, like a big piece thing. of legislation, yes. like in po- yes. post Aurora, the gun control measures, even though they were common sense gun measures, they were the first real gun control uh, measures passed by a, yes. a a state house in Colorado in decades. Yes. So it was something to point to at Absolutely. least. As wrong-headed Absolutely. as it was, it's like, oh, yeah. this is a big change. We don't like it. Like, the re- they're recalling, trying to recall a bunch of Dems now, including the governor, for what exactly? Right. It's not specific. It's, we don't like that you won the election, essentially. <laughs> yeah, good luck. Um, the other big one that we, uh, that was interesting was um, Timothy Masters, the kid who was convicted of murdering Peggy Hetrick in Fort Collins. Okay. Um, it was so nefarious and absolutely like just so provably not true that this kid did this. Right. Um, and the DAs took it all the way and then continued to fight every appeal. <laughs> As they those always do. Those DAs then became judges. Oh, yeah. Um, and those judges faced recall in Fort Collins after he was exonerated after DNA evidence proved that he had nothing to do with it. Um, and there was a successful recall of those two judges who were the DAs on the case in Fort Collins through absolute grassroots efforts. I mean, people yeah. were... He, this kid had been in jail for like 20 years. Can I just point out that behavior is not out of the ordinary nope. for DAs? And this is why we have issues with prosecutors. Correct. <laughs> because this is, it's a culture of win at all costs. Doesn't matter what the truth one, is. Once, Doesn't matter who did it. Once we decide who did it, that's it. Doesn't once matter. We, once we decide who did it. Like, I, I remember we were we watching. Fight to keep innocent people in jail just to protect our egos. We were watching that show on HBO the night of or the night uh-huh. before. And we yeah. watched how the prosecutor kind of uh-huh. realizes he fucked up. And I'm like, no, that never happens no. in real life. No, Or they don't care. No. And they'll protect, like, when those DAs, you know, went on to become judges, the DAs that that followed them um, during appeals were like, no, if they said it was him, it was him. We're not yep. looking at evidence. We don't care no. what the truth is. We don't care <laughs> what the proof is. We don't care. We care about the conviction. Yeah. And if we admit that we got it wrong, then what does that mean? That, yeah, that means then all of our decisions are wrong. This, this is the thinking. I've heard prosecutors and former prosecutors talk about this before. Yes. Is that they think that... Well, if we ever admit that we're wrong, if we ever admit that we got then it wrong. anybody we've ever convicted, it's all up for grabs and they could all appeal and they can right. all, and I'm like, well then let them all fucking appeal. And if you had, su- if you got it sufficient wrong, evidence, look at it. To, if you had sufficient evidence to put all these people in jail, it'll hold up. And yeah, it's going to cost a lot of time and it's going to be a pain in the ass. Well, that's your fault for fucking up. Yes. Like, what do you want, man? Uh, Innocent I just, people shouldn't be in jail, period. Yeah, period. And. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. And I think the other thing that is really um, that they're worried about in terms of backlash is this idea that this person who's innocent has been in jail for 20 years, but also who fucking did it. 
And where are they? Yeah, they're out on the street. And that's another thing. Supposedly, these prosecutors are all about keeping people safe and keeping bad people off the street. Yet, when they know they've got the wrong person, and they're letting rapists and killers and whatever, like, oh, well, hope hope somebody else gets them. Right, (laughs) like, you you look at the West Memphis Three, right? Mm -hmm. Those kids, those little baby boys are dead. And they, the people that they got, everyone is very clear they didn't do it. Mm Mm-hmm. And they get let go, but they get let go on the condition that they don't that they don't have to say they didn't do it. They have to sort of say no contest. That way, the DA and the prosecutors don't have to actually go find out well, who did it. And I, those I, yeah. little boys are dead. And who fucking killed them? We have no idea. I, I hope they get they a good lawyer because that won't hold up. That that that's sort of like bullshit NDA that does not hold up. Well, that's that was the condition on which they were let go. It's a specific plea that you can take that if it's offered that you say. I'm not saying I didn't do it, but you have to let me out. And so it holds. And What, you think they'd rearrest them and throw them back in jail? That would be nuts. That would be no, insane. No, I'm, I'm saying that what, the, what it does in practice is um, hold the DA and the police department unaccountable for finding out who actually did it. Well, if I think they Because they're it. saying, we still know that they did it, but we're letting them out because whatever reason. <laughs> and, but but like those, babies, those babies are dead. Yeah. And these boys didn't do it. Yeah, uh, and everybody knows it. I don't know. I still think they get a good enough lawyer that 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 won't hold up. To do what? I mean, they're Sue. allowed to say. Sue. Allowed, well, yeah. Sue the fucking pants off them. But anyway, there's a three part HBO series yeah, detailing exactly how they didn't do it. Um, yeah. But I don't. I don't know what their plans are. I think they're just happy to. And one of them was on death row for fuck's sake. Yep. I mean it. Anyway. Anyway, we've gone way off the way reservation. Off the tracks here. But, Sorry. But. Uh, I, let me let me uh, bring up something else. Another, there's a little lot in the news, as there always is in a week. It's all overshadowed by one big thing. But there was news in the realm of reproductive rights, and most of it was real bad. Do we want to talk about that? Yeah. Um, Alabama. I mean, it's happening everywhere, but the new one's Alabama. Mm-hmm. And they are criminalizing all abortion after two weeks, which is all abortion. Um, and the, like, I know that we all know what they're doing, but they're so brazen that they're saying it out loud. Oh, yeah. They're saying out loud, the purpose of this is to bring it to the court to have the Supreme Court reexamine this issue. The of purpose course. of this is not to protect life. The purpose of this is not because of the fetal heartbeat or any other anything. The purpose of this is to challenge Roe v. Wade. Yes, and to serve it up to Kavanaugh. To serve it up to Kavanaugh and Gorsuch and see what happens. Yeah. That's the purpose. In the meantime, it's just dead women. They include in the bill a exemption for the life of the mother. Oh, that's which nice. I hate that term. It's the life of the woman, not the life of the mother. Mm-hmm. Um, but not rape or incest. Oh, okay. And I know we talk about that like it's it's just a thing that rolls off the tongue that we've because it's part of a, of reproductive rights language. But sometimes we have to step back for a minute and think about what does that mean? Mm-hmm. What does that really mean? If you're a woman living in Alabama right now, and you get raped, and you are pregnant, and let's hey, and let's say you're 14 years old, yeah, and you are raped, and you become pregnant by the person who raped you, the state of Alabama will has the ability to put you to death 
should you choose to end that pregnancy and not carry to term the child born out of rape mm-hmm. or incest. Mm-hmm. So your dad rapes you or a stranger Uncle, rapes neighbor. you or whatever. It's fine. You need to carry that child to term. Mm-hmm. That is a brutality that is almost unimaginable when you really think about what that means. That is a hatred of women. There's nothing else it can be. Yep. You, In order to do that to a woman, you have to hate her. Now, something similar it just passed in Ohio, which Ohio was used to be thought as this eastern state, swing state, right? Yep. Um, but the, Ohio is one of those places where the Democratic <laughs> Party has either imploded or just given up. And their state legislature and governor's mansion basically looks like Alabama. Yeah. Maybe it's slightly a tinge less red, but it's still dominated. Yeah. Yeah. And Georgia, this is, this is what we South got. South Carolina. There's like five of them now. And, and it, all of them, the purpose is to bring it to the court to yeah. overturn Roe. Yeah, because it's going to get challenged. And then, you know, whatever judge is likely to to put a stay on it. And then it's going to go up to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court's going to ultimately decide. And... <laughs> Here we go. Now, I don't think that Kavanaugh Gorsuch would be insane enough to effectively kill Roe v. Wade in an election year or right before an election year, but who knows? Who fucking knows? I don't think Roberts would because of his legacy. Well, Ro- no, no, I'm, I'm pretty solid Robin, Roberts wouldn't, but it, there's still, you got five. Yep. Even without Roberts. Yep. So... The, the whole point of electing Trump and the whole point of even though it's Donald Trump, the Republican Party was fine with it and mm-hmm. remains fine with it was this moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the whole point. They didn't give a fuck who it was. But if somebody can beat Hillary Clinton, you can you can literally shoot someone on Madison Avenue, right? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter because what did we get? Got the Supreme Court. Got the Supreme Court. Yeah. And when we get the Supreme Court, we overturn Roe, and I don't think conservative politics has cared about anything more than that <clears throat> in a very long time. Yeah. That and taxes, which yeah. they already got. Yeah. So this is it. This is the holy grail for conservatives, is overturn Roe. Yep. It absolutely is. So, uh, yeah, it, these, these, these new laws are going to come before the Supreme Court, and at the, at one on the one hand, and we can stop pretending that the Supreme court is not a political body and doesn't pay attention to politics. Of course they do. On the one hand in an election year, are they really going to do that? On the other hand, in an election year, are they not going to do it? Think about what that would do to the Republican base. We have the court and it didn't overturn Roe. Yeah. Then what's What's the point? point? Right. What did you do for me? Right. How'd you, how, what the fuck's the point? You put these people on that are not going to overturn Roe. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm not hopeful. I got to tell you. No, I'm not either. I think I if, have if, no optimism about this. None. Yeah. At the end of the day, if I'm Brett Kavanaugh, I'm like, well, this is my chance. You know, I'm a hero. this is it. Uh-huh. So I don't know, but that's where we're headed. I and, mean, it's and, not like we can, you know, unseat them. They're lifetime appointments. Yeah. But if you want to become a hero, go down in the history books. <laughs> well, everybody's, everybody's talking about, we could stack the court, but when you look at Dem leadership, I just don't think there's any way that's possible. We can barely tie our shoes. No. I mean, the Republicans <laughs> would do it. They would stack the shit out of the court in this yep. day and age. Yep. But I don't yep. think, I don't think there's the will to do that. 
Um, I mean, the women that are running, can we talk about that? Yeah. The women that are running have said, yeah, we should do that. <laughs> yeah, they understand what's at because stake. Because they understand what's at stake. Yeah. And gosh, I'm not hearing a lot about the women that are running. How about you? <laughs> well, I'm glad that's a perfect segue because officially announced uh, Uncle Joe Biden is running for president. Uh, we were hoping he would just say, no, it's not worth it, but he's in and he's going to make an official announcement tomorrow or this week or something next week and he's in and he will so disappointed he will be the presumed front runner for a little bit and for a half hour for a half hour and then he's going to start talking and there's going to be cameras in his face every day and then he's going to be under scrutiny again the same thing that happens every time joe biden runs for president he'll be an also ran and um and May, there's all this, oh my God. Unless there's a new Joe Biden. Unless he, he sheds his cocoon and it's a whole new woke Joe Biden. But I don't think so. I, I think it's going to be really I've obnoxious. I've already been listening to him and that's not true. No. He's going to be unapologetic for his creepiness. He's going to try to be a centrist. Yep. He's just going it's, it's to be a nightmare. He's going to stop being Uncle Joe and he's going to be start being your weird sort of kind of racist creepy uncle but like not entirely <laughs> you're like not sure but he's just from a different decade so you're like all right uh, it's joe biden yeah that's i mean end of the day and then i an old white dude and i heard old white uh, dude's gonna be old white dudes at the yeah. end of the day and i heard this republican strategist on msnbc this morning talking about it and he's like oh you know what the perfect ticket is biden and buddha judge mm. and i'm thinking okay how many amazing women and women of color and men of color do we have in this field? And the best you think we can do is a couple white guys. And granted, one is gay. Great. But really? Really? It's so fucking exhausting. I was just watching this video of... It's a campaign ad, right? And so I know it's staged or whatever, but... It's Elizabeth Warren making phone calls to supporters who've donated small amounts of money. Uh huh. And it's tied into this idea that she's not going to solicit large donors. Um, she's not going to call, do call time essentially, right? Call yeah. millionaires. Which has hurt her to start with. She didn't quite hit her goals, but I, that's less important to me than I think people think in this day and age. Because like, you could raise money quickly and online. And But anyway, going on. So. I know that, you know, maybe it's bullshit, I don't know. But I'm watching her, and I'm watching her talk to these women that she's calling. And it made me cry, because we forget how smart she is, and how empathetic she is, and how sort of nerdy, and just so, like... She's such a wonk, but she's also just kind of like this nerdy lady who really knows things and wants to get stuff done and is really unapologetic about her. The anti-Trump in a lot of ways. Of, of these billionaires and, and banks. And it's not just millionaires and billionaires. That's the Bernie Sanders line. It's like large multinational corporations and the banks. institutions. Right. The institutions yeah. are what she's after. And that's so effective and so good. And like her policies are so good. 
And she has this sort of nerdy charm about her. And I just love her. And, and I'm watching this and I'm yeah. thinking there's no fucking way this woman can win. She's not even going to come close. And it's such a goddamn shame. Because I'm not convinced she's so that. much better than the rest of them. I, I'm not convinced she can't win. And, and I think that she has staying power more than others in the because race. Because she's authentically always been this person. Yeah. Always been. This is her life goal. This is her life's work has been to fuck with the institutions of massive capitalist finance, right? That's always been her thing. Right. Look out for the little guy. Let's have a consumer uh, protection board. Let's have, I mean, her entire career has been focused on this. Yeah. She's not coming late to this. This is not like, oh yeah, Bernie said billionaires are bad, I guess. No, like she's fucking, this is her life's work. And she knows more about it than anybody else. And she's so good. And I just hate that like no one is talking about it. No one cares. It's she's not That's exciting. That's not true. Not she's that not nobody charming. is talking like, about. I, but it's so frustrating because I just feel like, goddamn mayor of South Bend, Indiana, is suddenly a star. And well, we've talked about why. Pre- but Elizabeth Warren, it's just so frustrating. Well, I I'm gonna so disagree. I'm gonna disagree with you that she's got no chance and she's just being completely overlooked. I think she is being a bit overlooked. And I think some of that is that we live in this era now where like it's already to some people old news because she declared or got into the race seemingly months and months ago. Well, She's a known quantity. She's too. a known quantity. We already know who but she is. Things so change when, when we get into the summer and things really start to heat up and the debates start. Um, things are going to change the right now. All this polling and all this talk is, is all just name recognition and like we haven't gotten to the meat of the matter yet. And, you know, you're going to see the cream rise to the top in terms of who can do this and who has a message that resonates. And you're talking about there's this segment of voters that like we know there's horrible racist people, right, that like Trump. And we know that there's people who said just blah, blow up the system. But there's also people who I think were either Trump voters or sort of indifferent or or sat out or voted for Johnson who were just very much see the inherent problems in the institution and Warren's message might resonate with them more than people think. Right. And I'm not talking about the people, I'm not talking about your racist uncle. They're never going to vote for Elizabeth Warren. No, My dad thinks she's a lunatic. Right. But there, there are other people out there that, yeah, you know, these people that you think Bernie's going to get them. Maybe, maybe Warren appeals to them. But we'll see. Right. It's going to take time. People who got fucked on their taxes. Yes. People who lost their jobs. People who, you know, like her whole sort of beginning platform in her campaign is like, everybody should matter in my campaign. So I don't give a shit if you're a millionaire or if you have five bucks. I don't care. Well, she has if a you very... you want to be a part yeah. of this, everyone should have an equal voice and everyone should have equal access. And that's not something I'm hearing from anybody else. No. I'm thinking she, about... she has a cohesive message on the banks. Now, Bernie may talk about the banks, but his bigger thing is it is much more uh, amorphous idea of income inequality. Mm-hmm. It's just... And sometimes he but talks about the really banks. But there's not really any, like... What, how, how do we... How... And that's the thing that frustrates, I think, a lot of women that I know, because this is going back to 2016. Mm -hmm. Hillary could pull out 17 binders and tell you exactly point by point how. And nobody fucking cared. And I think Warren and Sanders, it's similar. Like, Mm. nobody, are they, 
she's so smart and she has so many ideas, but they're really specific policy proposals. Yeah. They're really specific about how she gets to this end game. Yeah, but people, especially pundits, overrate the importance of that. And again, this is why Mayor Pete is raising in popularity. People don't vote based on very few People vote based on who has the best policy proposals, even if they tell you that. But that's but you know, that's true. People talk about people vote for whoever makes them feel the best about their vote. It it taps into a feeling. And again, this is why Trump was successful because of racism, certainly. And because because this just very unspecific, vague idea of you're getting screwed. And I'm the guy that cares about you. Now, of course, it's bullshit. And of course, uh, people are just idiotic for believing that. But that was the message that resonated. And, you know, I mean, like, and it worked because there was a tinge of more than a tinge of racism. Right. And it tapped into white resentment. And it was that perfect combination of things. Where it's and then, and then like we how many times did we see this argument where somebody says, I think I'm voting for Trump's like, well, he's a, he's an idiot. He doesn't know what he's doing. And he's like, well, I know all that. But you know what? I just I want to blow everything up. Everything sucks. Right. I'm getting fucked. I'm getting fucked. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was all about a feeling. <laughs> it was never about his policies. You know, it wasn't about his experience as a businessman. That was a cover bullshit cover. It was about. He was able to tap into a feeling, right? And it was a feeling of we are resentful because we feel like we've been left behind in this American economic I'm not being given the America my dad had. That's right. That's right. And it's all about a feeling. And and How come I can't say the N-word and grab women's asses and he can do it? Sure. I like him. But um, what I'm telling you is even the not horribly racist gross people, he got enough of them, too. To put to put it over the top, and and it it's gross that they would excuse that and racism some of and misogyny. The sexism is that's a huge part of it. Sure, absolutely. But again, this is why Mayor Pete is doing so well because he has this calm demeanor, and he really sounds like he knows what he's talking about, and he's the anti-Trump in those ways, right? And like people who are sick of this, who might have voted for Trump or they didn't vote or whatever, they're like, oh god, I'm just so sick of this craziness with Russia and all the women and. The crazy shit he says on Twitter, we just need normalcy again. And then Mayor Pete comes along. He's he's very calm and he's very he's very uh, well spoken and he sounds like he knows what he's talking about. And he's like, well, this is what you know, like right. this is how it is. And like you're reassured and it reminds people of Obama in that sense. And that is why he's surging in popularity. It's not about his. Everybody says, oh, his proposals are vague. Like it's not, never about the specifics. It is never about the specifics. It's about how does this person make you feel. But do you understand the inherent sexism in that? Absolutely. Because that means to me that we will never have a woman be president. Because there is no right way to be one. And That's right. Because when Elizabeth Warren, when she gets up and tries to tap into that same thing, you're going to have a segment of the population that says, oh, she's too emotional. She's too emotional. She's She's boring. She's ugly. She's shrill. She's, you know, bombastic. She's aggressive. She's cold she's uh-huh. there's no right way to be a woman that makes most people comfortable especially a woman in power it's in, inherently makes people uncomfortable and so what that says to me is it doesn't matter how smart you are it doesn't matter how good you are we just it's never enough it never will be well let's see because i think warren has staying power in this race i think kamala harris has staying power in this race um, like it just makes me want to give up i don't i don't be necessarily like it just is like because seriously, 
if that's it, if that's the end game, is a personality contest and how people make you feel, tell me a woman that can win that. Uh, I think Warren has the best chance because, again, she taps into that dissatisfaction, that overall overarching dissatisfaction with things. And, of course, it's from a much different angle than Trump, but it still taps into that same vein of you're getting fucked you're getting fucked and i'm gonna fix it and in, instead of like oh it's brown people getting all the bennies it's gonna be like it's the banks and the institutions and the financial institutions which is actually true which is actually true <laughs> right? and i think it can resonate just as much if not more uh so i think she's got uh, a, a decent chance as far as that goes but we'll see we'll see yeah um yeah um I don't know if there's any more to say right now about the state of the race. Biden is in and I don't think it's going to go how people think it's going to go. Like, you know, people forget. We remember. I remember Joe is. Joe Biden is not winning the primary. He's not a good presidential candidate. Nope. Um, and let, I Biden, could, Obama did not pick him because he was a good candidate. I could be wrong because he's popular. Like maybe the rules have totally changed in the age of Trump. I still think Trump is an anomaly. Yeah. Uh, at least on our side. Remember, we're talking about a Democratic primary. Right. So it's not like a bunch of Trump voters are going to, you know, oh, well, I like Biden now. It's like no. this is our side and, and our side. I don't see it working, but. We'll certainly find out. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, we may have a couple other things to get to, but we're going to get into uh, Mueller Palooza and give you our thoughts. And uh, yeah, so. It might not be what you think. Uh, or it might. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Stick around. Hello and welcome back to Irreverent Testimony. Um, before we get into Muller Palooza, um, I guess Rachel's got another local story for us. <laughs> I do. Okay. Um, we've been following uh, Mayor Michael Hancock, city of Denver, for yeah. quite some time. I think our ballots have arrived. And they have. Okay. Um, I have to go check the mail. Um, and he's up for re-election May seventh, mm-hmm. as you might remember. In case you don't, I'll remind you. Um, he had a sexual harassment scandal um, last year, mm-hmm. wherein it was revealed that he sexually harassed a person who was on his security detail, a mm. police officer named Leslie Branch Wise. Um, 
who he was just super gross with and she brought it up and uh they settled um and then those settlement documents later became public um so right around that exact same time something else was going on mm-hmm. <laughs> that is very interesting and i didn't know um he was involved in a prostitution ring scandal oh uh, this article comes from The Westward, and The Westward is a local paper that um, does a pretty good job of covering uh, local issues. From It's kind of like an alt paper, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, very, very popular. Um, so, literally, like, in exactly the same time and place, 2011, 2012, um, there was an allegation uh, that he was seen walking into by security footage uh, a place called Denver Sugar. Oh, is that a strip club? That is a not a strip club. Uh, it is, I don't exactly know because I had just moved to Denver maybe like that same month. So that place doesn't exist anymore. It does not. And their website's not online. I tried looking it up. Um, but it's there's, gotta be. Uh, it's not a strip club. It's from what I can understand, a swingers a club, swingers club slash uh, prostitution maybe thing. Um, all right. And so, so we got some sugar, <laughs> right? Um, a little he, sugar for the mayor. The thing that's interesting about this article, maybe we'll post it in the show notes, is that what it really is trying to expose is not so much that like he went into this place because mm-hmm. that's, I mean, he's married and. Like, we can be mad about that. Um, but how, like, the power elite in Denver protected him from exposure from this. Oh, sure. And that's something that's really important, I think, when we talk about this election, because he is so deeply entrenched in uh, the sort of you bet. In all aspects, the police union yes. and oil and gas and construction. Right. and Right. I mean, interestingly, the Fraternal Order of Police don't like him at all. Um, yeah, and they're they're asking for his resignation um, and have been for a while, but that's a more complicated issue around uh, reform, reform, yeah. and and who he picked to be the chief of police. And the thing that we have to remember about Denver Mayor is that he's an incredible, it's an incredibly powerful position. The way mm-hmm. that our state has set it up, and so he controls a lot of things, like who's the chief of police, and like you know uh, the budget, and like things that like a lot of mayors don't have control over he is like a really powerful mayor mm-hmm. um so anyway uh then back in 2011 <clears throat> there was this allegation from the denver post um that he went into this place the specific uh address of which they're they to were, get a cup of sugar yeah mm-hmm, they were requesting um footage from the denver police department which <laughs> if you remember he appointed the police chief, right? <laughs> yeah, those are his people. And so the Denver Police Department, amazingly, oh, we can't didn't find have anything it. like that. We I don't, don't know, know what you're talking about. Where it no is. idea. What I think okay. is even more interesting is that his lawyer, <clears throat> who works for Brownstein Farber, which is a really big, powerful law firm, mm-hmm. um, and I think that they're probably nationwide, but in Denver they exist, uh, his lawyer reached out to the Denver Post's um, editor-in-chief at the time and asked for like since this is not going to be a criminal matter we in the same breath right so he says to in this there's a recording of this conversation which i think is even more interesting um that 
they would like to cooperate with the news media, A. B, since it's not a criminal matter, <laughs> yeah. they would request that any um, footage or evidence suggesting that the mayor entered this place uh, be sent directly to him as counsel for the mayor. And C, denying all allegations that he ever went there. And <laughs> if there is evidence, uh, it would violate the mayor's privacy and should not be shared to the news media and only given to counsel. Yeah, but don't worry. He never he never he never went, went there. But if you know he did, you can't tell anyone. But we want to cooperate. But he didn't go. But if he did, it would violate his privacy. Oh, is this Rudy Giuliani? And we're going to. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of fucking crazy. right? <clears throat> Okay. Um, no, Giuliani wouldn't be that coherent. And amazingly, like the Denver Post wrote an article about this back in 2011. And because of the sort of structural, uh, you know, support that he has, he managed to survive it. There was a couple of weeks of bad headlines, and then he always gets a couple away. weeks of bad exactly. headlines and every then it few goes months. The fuck away. Goes away because. You yeah. know, the economy's good in Denver. and He's done some good things. I'm not yeah. going to take that away from him. He's done some good things. He's also been complicit in a lot of really harmful things. Yeah. And while I do not generally um, care <laughs> who anybody fucks, right? I don't care. Yeah. Um, I think it's just interesting that the, the him going to this place doesn't, I don't care. I mean, his wife might care, but I'm not married to him. Um, but the cover-up, yeah, right. The sort of threats and then and having the and cops cover for mm-hmm, you and mm-hmm. all that shit. That, yeah. that I care about. Yeah, that he's matters. he's kind of an old school Chicago mayor in that much, case. Yeah. In that sense, um, I, we're we're tired of him. I think a lot of people are, but There's he still a has a lot of institutional support. There's a hashtag that is hashtag anyone but Hancock hashtag abh. Yeah, we're not voting for him. No, but no. he'll still probably win. Probably, is my sense. He just has so much money and institutional support that I don't yeah. imagine he'll lose. If he wins, the bright spot there is that uh, everything in fucking Colorado's term limited, yeah, <laughs> and so this will, this would be the last term that he'd be allowed to yeah. serve as mayor. And we get to pick somebody else next. But I think it's interesting that this is coming back up, and in particular that there's a. Um, telephone recording conversation that never came out in 2011 that has magically surfaced a couple of weeks before the election because Colorado operatives are pretty smart. (laughs) Uh, It's not on accident. (laughs) And they're pretty ruthless. They are. It's not just now coming out for accidental reasons. It was absolutely timed and planned and it happened eight years ago and now we're hearing about it Mm -hmm. just weeks before the election. So Mm -hmm. anyway, that's all I have to say about that, I guess. Okay. So on to Mueller-Palooza. Oh, wait, one more thing. Yeah. Um, he definitely was there. Uh, the the, the what, pseudonym at the, at the sugar club. Yeah, the pseudonym. Well, of used course he was. was Why this wouldn't was be a thing if he wasn't? Mike Handcock. Oh, that's cute. And one of the um, sex workers at the place identified him in a photo lineup for the Denver Post. <laughs> He's the mayor. <laughs> So, anyway. Do you know what the mayor looks like? <laughs> oh, I haven't seen Have him. you ever seen this person in your club? Oh, him? Yeah, for sure. That well, guy. Mike yeah. Handcock. Mike. Mike Handcock. That's, Hand uh, on cock. I mean. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Like, it's, what the fuck? It's a very how, creative how alias. How ballsy are you? How cocky are you? Yeah. How cocky. <laughs> Baby. <laughs> he at least could have gone with Ron Mexico or... Uh, uh, what was what oh, was uh, Carlos Wiener's, Danger? Carlos Danger. Yeah, yes. I was thinking of Wiener's alias. At least he didn't go by like 
Anthony hold my wiener. <laughs> you know? He's like, damn it, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> I should have thought of that. I should have gone my hand Oh, God. Anyway. These gross men, I baby. Know. These I know. gross men. I know. They just... just... And again, you know, if, if he wants to go get some action, I mean, but like at a at a storefront. And what has he done to promote the health and safety of sex workers in our city? That's right. That's that's the other problem. Um, not Nothing. not much. Nothing. Zero things. Yeah. If you're going to uh, be a patron of sex workers, I think you should be an advocate for sex workers. No. At the very least. Okay. So. Let's talk about Mueller, I guess. <laughs> You're just so reticent <laughs> to talk about it. I mean, I, there's there's nothing in there we didn't know. That's my thing. I feel, okay, I'm doing this thing and I'm going to explain still, this. But we like, still have to I analyze know. this I know. at all. I'm doing this thing where I'm doing this avoidance thing where like I'm not doing it. And I keep seeing all the reports <laughs> and I'm just like, no, no, I'm not doing it. And it, it feels like I'm just... <laughs> rebelling like a, a child like a teenager like no I'm not gonna read their report no, I'm not gonna do my book report right right yeah. it feels like that's what I'm doing because I just feel like every time I see a snippet of what's in there I'm like okay I knew that Sarah Sanders is a liar yep Trump did all these things that we've clearly already know that he did. I don't know. It just feels well, like, what's the fucking point? There was more in there that we always suspected but didn't know for sure specifically like Trump wanted to do a lot more crazy, crazier shit, right? Right. Like he wanted to do Saturday Night Massacres and, uh, and arrest people and just make crazy proclamations. And his his staff, his underlings, would, would be like, yeah, sure, sure. And then just like not do it. Right. And wait for him to be distracted by something else. And he would. And But like, yeah, we were watching MSNBC earlier and they were saying like these staffers would... Yes, sir. Okay, sounds good. I'll do that. <laughs> and then not just not just do not it. Just not do it. And then like just hope that he forgot but But it worked he forgot it was a (laughs) it was a good strategy on their part and that's fucking worrisome i guess but the crazy part is if you and i have not read the whole Mueller report but i've read some good snippets of it and what Mueller basically says is like you know this should happen so much that it's kind of hard to tell if he was really this evil mastermind trying to obstruct justice or if he's just a crazy asshole Right. And it's like, okay, well, then if you're not going to, I mean, look, let, let's back up a little bit because some of you probably haven't even looked at anything or heard anything about the Mueller report. This is basically this. The AG came out and did another press conference where he said no collusion. Then he released the report that showed a lot of collusion and obstruction. But Mueller basically said, um, we, we can't. The, our policy at the DOJ charges we can't charge a sitting president, and so we won't. Mm-hmm. We can neither say he's totally guilty or exonerate him. Here's everything. You take care of it, Congress, is is basically what it says. Right. But there's a lot of very, very damning, troubling shit in there. Tons of it. Yeah. Like, not just a little bit. Like, right. tons of it. Right. Right? Well, it's everything that you thought was true that... Yeah. Is basically true. it's a true. There's of some little interesting is. tidbits there that that there is a P tape, but it's fake. <laughs> that was interesting. I mean, I don't know. I don't. The, see that the part Russians of it, made a P tape for the sake of blackmail, <laughs> but it's not really Trump. But like that's very <laughs> disturbing. Yes. Right. Yes. 
Um, the, the same people that apparently coaxed Donald Trump Jr. to this meeting. There's the, all the Donald Trump Jr. and Ivanka stuff was uh, was siphoned off to the SDNY, which means they will be indicted eventually. And that idiot Don Jr. is doing victory dances on Twitter. He's going to be indicted. I mean, he's really that stupid that he doesn't. I don't think he actually knows he's going to be indicted. Like he's really that dumb. Don Jr. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think he's. Well, there was something I read that somebody said like he. People understood him to be so stupid as to not think that he was capable of doing much. Like, (laughs) he was capable of being used as a pawn, but he wasn't like a a sort of actor in an active way. But there's a lot of this. They viewed him as so stupid as to not be able to do the thing that they would need him to do without explaining to him. But there's a lot of this in Mueller's report. There's a lot of, like, I don't know if these people are just stupid or crazy. So I can't say for sure that they were, you know, they really meant to obstruct justice. They might be too, like, dumb and unhinged to actually obstruct justice. And I'm like, well, is, how's that a defense? I Like, I think I think Ron Klain is right. I think Mueller wimped out. I, I think ultimately he didn't want to go all the way to say, you need to, you need to impeach and convict the president of the United States. He was just like, here's all the shit. Oh, it's off I my did plate. My job. I did my job. I gathered the evidence, and we can't charge. But isn't so it we won't. just proof of what you and I have been saying? Is that he's an institutionalist at heart? And well, he's an institutionalist. He's not about to upset the status quo of what is the presidency? What is the role <laughs> of the FBI? What is the role of right? Like he, he's yeah, he's still let, a holdout for like here's all the things that the quote president did. But, like, I can't upset the apple cart so much as to actually charge the president. And right. so I'm just giving you all the tools to do whatever you think institutionally is the wisest. But, like, I'm not going to be that guy, which makes him yes. a fucking pussy. And I'm sorry, but it's true. <laughs> You're using the P word, so you know Scrotum. she's serious. But look, hold on. Right? But, but you make a really important point. And Jason Johnson, who's a very... Uh, a very excellent law professor said this. He's like, oh yeah, Mueller's an institutionalist, but he's only in- interested in protecting his own institutions. Right. And that's important because ultimately if we sat Mueller down in a room and said, well, what'd you do? You let him off the hook. He's like, well, no, I, I gathered no. all the evidence. And you're like, well, you're such an institutionalist. You know, our institutions are crumbling around us. Well, that's not my problem. Right. I did exactly what you tasked me to do. I found out all of the evidence and because I'm such an institutionalist, I don't see any legal way that I'm allowed to do anything other than provide Congress with the evidence that I've prepared. But that's that's not really true. It's not. <laughs> and we but know I mean, Mueller has gone farther a, before. But it's such a strict reading of what that job is mm-hmm. that it makes sense. And it also is such a fucking pussy cop out yes. bullshit yeah. thing, yeah. right? And if we, I know he you do, I swear to God, second, if I have a but, beer with him, and I'm like, but he definitely fucking broke the law. He's like, oh, yeah. Of course he of did. Of course he did. Look at all this evidence I just provided. You broke so many fucking laws, for sure. And then, and and then, then if you the pin him down. And then the next question, why? Why didn't you try? Well, that's not my purview. Not or, my job. Or or if you pin him down and said, look, you have a, you have now you understand you have a corrupt AG right. and you have a Congress who is not willing to act because they're also compromised to be like, that's ah, too bad. Well, the Republic might fall. Well, yeah, it might. Yeah, it might. I but I did my job. Yep. I'm not going to be the one to, you know, charge the president of the United States with a crime because 
I don't know what that would look like for the FBI and what that might do to mm-hmm. crumble this mm-hmm. institution that I've been a part of for mm-hmm. my entire professional career. That defines my whole that life. That defines my entire life. So I did exactly to the letter what I was asked to do, and yeah. I'm willing to do nothing more. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And and we predicted that. Yep. We said, like, Mueller's not going to be a savior. He's, he's going gonna, gonna to lay out all the horrible shit Trump did. And, and they can spin it however they want. And yeah. that is, I'm just going to say, from my perspective, he knew that. He knew that by not indicting anyone, by not doing that extra, that that final step of, I know this person has committed crimes, and I'm deciding that the purview of the FBI is to uphold the Constitution, right? Mm-hmm. Foreign and domestic, right? People who break the law. I'm choosing not to take that extra step because I don't want to be the one, the first one to do it. <laughs> I'm not yeah. going to be the first. Yeah. And that's like such a gross, just like, ugh. well, here's the bigger, okay. here's the bigger problem too. And this is the big problem I have with all the stuff that's in there. And you really need to read a lot of this report, Rachel, when you have a chance to understand what this means, there was a lot of, well, we couldn't be sure of, of criminal intent. There were, there was criminalish shit that happened. It's but so we can't be sure. Interesting. But think, how? well, hold on. This is what I'm getting to, you know, think of, the people we know that fight for indigenous rights and water That's what rights. what I was going to say. And, yeah, ex- or every criminal defendant, right? Mm-hmm. And how it's real, real easy. Very like nonchalant, like we were talking about earlier, right? To determine someone's criminal intent when you have <laughs> yeah. spent three seconds with them on yeah. a sidewalk and they're black. Yeah. It's real easy to determine their criminal intent there. But somehow spending two years investigating a man who is obviously a criminal. It's just impossible to wrap my head around whether or not it's criminal intent. That is just at its fundamental core, like the problem with the justice system, the problem with the state, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we can determine that black men have criminal intent and murder them after five seconds but we cannot determine after two years of investigating and finding all of this evidence of criminal intent that a white man might have criminal intent. Well, here's the, let's, that's insane. Let's go back to our hypothetical uh, conversation with Bob Mueller right. Right, that you Where and we're I having, having a beer. right? Mm-hmm. And we're like, well, look, I'll probably have wine, but yeah. right. Well, look, this is how it played out, Bob. The Democrats were too worried about an election year to rock a boat to, to call for impeachment. The Republicans are in their pocket and the AG is completely compromised. So essentially, whatever happens in the election, Trump got off scot-free. And so while you're saying the president isn't above the law, you kind of determined he is. You'd be like, well, that's not my problem. I'm not Congress. Right. I'm not the AG. You know, I'd be interested to talk to my dad about this because. No, it wouldn't. My (laughs) growing up, one of the things that the the, like three tenets of growing up with Mike, right? Don't Mm -hmm. steal. Mm -hmm. Um, don't say you're going to do something if you're not going to do it. Okay. And number three, don't ever say that's not my job. That is the <laughs> laziest, most bullshit thing you can fucking say ever. Because what you're saying is, I understand that this thing needs to be done and I'm refusing to do it because I'm lazy. Don't ever say that's not my job. You do it anyway, right? That's, that was a tenant growing up in my household was, that's not my job is not a thing that you're allowed to utter. Yeah. And I think I took that to heart. And I wonder what he thinks about Bob Mueller saying, that's not my job. Nothing. He's just going to say that Bob Mueller was wrong and it's fake news. And come on. I'm saying Bob Mueller himself said, yeah, 
I think that's all true, and it's not my job. And I would like to know what my dad has to say about that, because I feel like it is such a fucking cop-out. And maybe that's why it makes me so mad, is that, like, that I have that in my, like, part of my, you know, formative, like, years of Mm -hmm. believing in what is right and wrong, is, like... Yeah, but you know when it comes to politics, like... (laughs) wisdom and deep-seated beliefs all go out the window when it's been as partisan, right? I guess. Yeah. For some people. For Not for me. Yeah. But so here's the thing, right? So now what do we do? Well, I think what I think Nadler should have got on this earlier, but I guess he had to keep up appearances that well, we're going to we're going to trust that the AG is going to actually do his job until he proves that he's a hack. Okay, he's now proved that he's a hack. We need to subpoena right. everything. Right. And they're going to haul Mueller in front of Capitol Hill, which they have to do. Yes. And like, okay, explain to us word for word. And I hope that rather than grilling them the way we would and be like, why did, why did you abdicate your job? Just like, no, explain, you know, this and that and, and, and how we got here. And no, yeah, I think it would be really helpful to be just like, have a public record with a public recording, right? Mm -hmm. Have the record so that not only do we have a transcript, but we have a person saying out loud, what what they, what they found? Yeah, they, I think that's compelling. I think you can read it and be like, hmm, but having a dude sit in front of people and be like, oh, the president did this, and the president did that, mm-hmm. and the president's son did this, and, and the and, president's and, chief of staff did and that, the, and then you could pin Mueller down and say, why could you not come up with criminal intent? Well, because I I just think he's so unhinged that I don't know what he you know, what, right. what his intent was. Like, yeah, right. getting all that in the public record is not going to be helpful for Trump. And then you might have Republicans on the other side, like, didn't you do the, the uranium one? And aren't you with it? Like, have them like just go off the just rails. Be completely unhinged. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because they like, will. They, because some of them it's will. Yeah. Black and white, right? right? I also love the little detail that I read that uh, Trump was saying, and I can't remember to who, maybe it was Lindsey Graham. Uh, oh, I'm fucked. This is the end of my presidency. I think he was saying it to his if, to if, White House counsel. If Robert Mueller, like, that I'm fucked, this is the end of my presidency. Yeah, I'm, I'm And, fucked. like, that sentence, I know, is just, like, an offhand thing to say, but that sentence, if you drill down, what is, right? He, he knows, like, that to me is criminal intent. That to me means he understands that... Someone investigating what his actions have been is going to find would be detrimental because they will definitely find that he is a criminal. Well, his defense could be like, well, I said that because I thought it was a witch hunt. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but this is the frustrating thing, right? Is like. That's all. There's always a defense. Right. But. Yeah. But the then, idea but then that if, if Mueller, we're not even making him provide a defense. Yeah. Because we can't, quote, find criminal intent. Like, criminal intent can be found literally anywhere. And that, that's another problem, is that uh, Mueller was trying to get him to testify for months and months and months. Finally, they agreed to written, written. answers, and mm-hmm. they were all, I don't remember, I don't remember, I don't, I don't remember, recall, I don't remember. I don't recall, I don't recall. So, Gonzalez stuff. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and then Mueller's like, well, I guess that'll have to do. So, can't, you know. <laughs> it, it is a cop-out. It is a puss-out. It, is. it absolutely is. It is. Um, now, he did a thorough job of, you know, getting a lot of important information. And here's another place where Mueller really fucked up, right? He he sort of tried to split the baby and he said, like, OK, we can't, you know, it is it is DOJ policy that we can't uh, indict a sitting president. But once he's not president, all bets are off. 
And it's like, oh, great. Great. So that's in black and white. What do you think Trump is going to do when the election comes around? Right. And it looks like he's going to lose or right. he does lose. Right. Are, are, you know. Right. There's going to be a peaceful transition of power. That's now, what we're saying. Uh, now, no, what we have to hope for is everything that's in that report that he goes, you know, call in the army and invalidate the election. And they're like, yeah, sure, whatever. And his, his underlings just say no. That That is what we have to hope is that the, the mad king issues the crazy orders and that his privy council says no. They don't say no. They just don't do it. Right. And then maybe they lie to him and tell him they did it. <laughs> yeah. No, right? that, that is literally our, our only hope. Because if Trump knows he can and will be prosecuted once he's no longer president, he is no way he's, he's not going to walk out willingly. No, no. Now, I'm sure he'll try to lay the groundwork. And a lot of that has already been destroyed with his, uh, you know, his voter fraud council and everything else. But like he is he's going to first of all, oh, man. We better get on the ball and watch. He is going to try to elicit all kinds of help from the from the Russians. Yep. Um, he is he is going to scream voter fraud anywhere and everywhere. He's going to put pressure on uh, probably local election officials and state election officials to stuff ballot boxes. Like I'm not kidding here. No. Like this is all in here, and then this is another thing. If you would have brought this up to Mueller, he'd be shrug. Well, that's your problem. Right. I mean, that's not what I was tasked with. And it's like okay, well. Then Interestingly, why, that's why would you true, include that nugget? But why, right. Well, I had to. It's being it's accurate. It's part of the truth. <laughs> it's just such a gross cop out of like a dereliction of duty, I think. Yeah. I really I, I agree. It really is. It's really just like, um, hi, I noticed that the entire world's going to burn down. So I provided all the evidence of why that's true. And. I'm going to not take a fire hose because that I'm not actually a firefighter. I'm just a person who tells you that it's happening. Yeah. That's your job is to tell me that it's happening, but you have no interest <laughs> in stopping it or preventing it or you have no civil service. You have no like Well, it's like those commercials, li- personal right? Personal liability or like personal yeah. sense of like but you're you are in a you have a fire hose in your hand <laughs> and you are putting it down on the ground because technically you're not a firefighter. Well, it's like those commercials for the credit monitoring places <clears throat> where the guy goes to the dentist and like, oh, man, you got a lot of cavities. Right. And you're going to fix it. Oh, no, I'm just a, I'm just a dental monitor. Right. You have to call an actual dentist to right. fix that. <laughs> oh, there aren't any dentists. I mean, I, I'm qualified to fix it. Right. I could do it. It'd but it, but easy, my job but is a is a, is a monitor. Job. It's not my job. Mahal monitor. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's kind of where we are. I think that's why I've been so just like avoiding it. Yeah, because I'm just like disgusted. I'm just like you know, uh, fuck that guy. And you know, I was talking to Sandy, and it was like we already see all of these things happening, right? Yeah. There's there's the concentration camps under bridges in El Paso, Texas. Yep. There's there. The world is burning. Churches are burning. Like the, 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 we can see with our... You, you have to have eyes. Mm-hmm. You don't need a Mueller report. You have eyes and you have ears and you know that Sarah Sanders is a fucking liar. You know that the president is a goddamn lunatic. You know what's happening, what his policies have wrought. So, okay. A white man in a suit with a badge told you everything you already fucking know. Right? Mm-hmm. Now what? Well, that's the question, right? And now let's talk about how the Democrats are approaching this. Uh, what what they're basically saying, now they've softened their tone a little bit, but what they said immediately was, 
uh, no, you know, we just gotta, we'll just worry about 2020. And it's like, yeah, I get it from a political, purely cynical political standpoint, but then why have impeachment in the constitution? Why have laws? Why, why, why have separation of powers? (laughs) Oh, okay. Okay. We still have elections, but like, if you are going to say that, no, yeah, it's fine. Well, it's not fine. We don't like it. But yeah, the the president broke the law eight ways to Sunday and he's horribly corrupt. But, you know, it's a little too divisive to raise the possibility of removing him from office using our constitutional authority. So we're just going to focus on the election. And it's like, no, that's another fucking cop out. So we have a cop out on top of a cop out. Correct. And it is infuriating. And it's. Like, y'all, if we don't want to have a state anymore, I'm in. <laughs> right? That's, I'm in. That's Let's where we're going. That. Let's do that, right? And we don't need to have a president and a Congress and police and military. Well, and no, we that, can do that's all not that. where we're going. Like, where we're going is to dictatorship. Right. The, the, the president is basically a monarch. I'm saying, let's go the other way. If you're like, we don't need any of this, or we're not going to use it, it doesn't, it's not... Uh, then okay. Well, that's that's not where we're headed. I mean, we still have a police state, right? <laughs> you know. But then let's like it's okay. very much cool. in in let's, in charge. Let's completely dismantle the military and the police departments and every power the government. I mean, it's it's absolutely asinine and absurd. To it's embarrassing to and like you know, Speaker Pelosi, she had a good moment and then. Next thing I hear out of her mouth is impeachment's not really an option and it's certainly politically viable. And it's like, look, and then y'all wonder why we exist, why we don't want Joe Biden, why we like AOC, right? why maybe we didn't really want Nancy Pelosi. And then you you did a thing that we liked a lot. And now you're like, though, like we're done with y'all. We're done with your bullshit. We're done. Mm-hmm. It's over. You need to act and be decisive or one of two things will happen. The Republic will fall, which is probably likely, or two, um, you don't get to be in power anymore. Mm-hmm. Because if ever a time for impeachment was necessary, I cannot imagine that this would not be that time. I can't. <laughs> you, if we impeached Bill Clinton for lying on the record about a blowjob, I... They're that, not they're that? not thinking this through logically because let's because remember, remember how impeachment works. It's not like you just take a vote. The there are proceedings and these proceedings. There's all these public hearings and all this mm-hmm. information comes to light. And if Democrats think they do all this and we bring all this information to light about all this horrible shit that Trump and his administration have done. And then the American public says, no, that's fine. And this is too divisive. So we're voting for Trump again. Like, why bother putting up a candidate in 2020? Right. Why bother doing any of this? Right, right. Then it's utterly pointless. If we're really at that point where it literally does not matter to the majority of the American people what this ban has done, um, and and if we're in, I mean, that's already a constitutional crisis. If that's really mm-hmm. where we are, then we should just admit that's where we are. And, like, there's no point. Yeah. There's no point, and it's... Then it, it's, let's just, just go straight to Civil War, because that's where we're war. at. I'm not, and I know that sounds crazy hyperbolic, but that's fucking where we are. If that's where we are... And you and me are sitting here going, this is fucking crazy. And this is 
absolutely abnormal in every sense but of that- the word and illegal. <laughs> and most of the country is fine with it. The rest of us, y'all, got to get out of here or or make our own or do something else because I don't know how to be governed by the same mm-hmm. people that believe that that's fine. Because this is... I don't. This is basically what Pelosi and Hoyer and others are stating. They're saying, if we make the case against Trump and we introduce the possibility of removing him from office via uh, a constitutional process, that is just so divisive that we may turn people off, voters off. I... <laughs> I mean, I don't know what to do with that. I don't either. I don't know what to do with that. It's not leadership. No, it's not. And I think it's a fundamental misunderstanding of the majority of the country. Mm-hmm. I hope that that's true. Uh, I, you know, there is some credence to, oh, just we're just sick of all this stuff. But does that mean they're going to turn around and now vote for Trump because of it? I mean, I know voters aren't smart, but like, I'm not sure that makes any know. sense. I, I, I have this sense from talking to people who were previously unpolitical and their sense of what has been happening like their absolute shock right that he's the president and then their sense of like why is not more being done mm-hmm. right um i hear that from almost everyone that i've met and spoken to who consider themselves sort of apolitical or don't follow the news or I don't really know about that stuff. Right. There's the sense that like I don't understand how he's still the president. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why we're even talking about 2020. Why is he still the president? Like there's this sense of like why is no one doing anything? And I right. think that may be our greatest failing is this idea that like if we want to win and beat them we cannot be seen as feckless or incompetent or unwilling to do things. We I have agree. to be seen as like, this is crazy. Everyone knows it's crazy. We are the people who do something about it. That is why you voted the way you did in 2018. Yeah. And, and, this and that, that explains or, the the months and months and 11 hours of Benghazi, right? They knew nothing was going to come of that. No. But they had to show their base like, we're, we're going after the boogeyman for That's you. That's right. And the difference is, pay. we have actual evidence. We have an actual boogeyman. <laughs> yeah. And people expect us to do something about it. And if we don't, we're lost. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to vote for us. Nobody. They. I think there will just be a large sit-out. Because what's the fucking point? Yeah. If the Democratic Party cannot come in to this situation, which is unprecedented. And take fucking charge. And take fucking charge and do something. Even if it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Even if the Senate doesn't sign on, even if whatever happens, right? If we don't at very least do every possible thing that we can to end this craziness and, that's and this another mad thing, king, you know, you, then the people are going to be like, well, who fucking cares? And it's going to go back to, well, they're all the same. You want to win back the Senate, right? And you're going to put the Senate in a position to say, oh, all that horrible shit Trump did, it's okay with us. And you think that won't be a political advantage? I, I really don't know what they're thinking. Well, uh, I, mean, I think I they're really just playing think, scared. I think they're, yeah. they're they're looking at early polls yeah. and they're looking at their uh, internal polls and they're looking at Trump's unfavorability and they're saying, let's just not rock the boat. We're in position I mean, to win I this thing. I swear to God, the number of people who will not vote if we do not write this will be astronomical. So I think what Nadler is doing is sort of try is like a good half measure. But if we do these public hearings and all this shit and more horrible shit comes to light and then you're going to turn around and say, oh, no, we still don't want to impeach like this, there's it's problematic. And, and I think that I honestly think 
like, first of all, Hoyer should have should have just muzzled himself for at least 24 hours, for fuck's sake. I didn't even see what he said. Oh, he immediately came out and said, we're not doing impeachment. Oh, God. Immediately. And then, like... Why? Why would you say that? I, I don't... Why? Because he's a fucking doddering old idiot what, but at this like, point well, anyway. How do, you, how do you know? And then he came out later and was like, oh, well, everything's on the table. And, and I don't know. I honestly think that leadership's been a little blindsided by their base. When they were like, no, 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 we're not gonna, we're not gonna talk about impeachment. And we're like, the fuck you're not. The fuck you're not. Why do you think we reelected you and, and or elected you in the first place? And then in the past twenty four hours, they've kind of changed their tone a little bit. So, well, we'll see. Let's 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 take a look. Look. So mm. that's where we are. And then there's just God. There's this so, this stupid shit. And then like, because Elizabeth Warren has been republic. She's like, yeah. look, I read the whole damn report, and yeah, we got to impeach this motherfucker. Yeah. Not to. And everyone's like, oh, oh. Mm, that's not extreme. And it's like, no, no, no. I believe, A, I believe her that she read the entire report. Yeah, oh, yeah. Elizabeth Warren. Yeah, I'm, I'm and sure she's she got did. notes. Yes. And she's got a notebook full of answers and questions and things she would like to know about very specifically. And she's still a senator. Yes. And B, she's absolutely right. There's no planet on which you read that and there's not impeachable things in it. I mean, it's... That's your job. Mm-hmm. Constitutional requirement of your job. So her saying it is not like, I've heard all of this bullshit. Like, oh, well, she's just trying to be, you know, shock jock, trying to get attention. And it's like, no, she's doing no, her uh, goddamn job. What they're saying is, oh, well, what people want to hear about is the kitchen table issues like healthcare. It's like, you don't think she's going to talk about that? She does talk about that. She's only going to talk about impeachment now? All the time. It's like, you don't think no, she can... she talks about all of it. This is just a thing where she was like, we definitely have to do this, right? Like, we have to. Yeah. Like, look at this shit. You see this? Did you see that part? Did Plus, you Plus, she's part? smart enough to tie it in together. Yes. It's like, oh, do you know why the state of healthcare is sucks and being endangered of getting even worse and why the banks are letting run amok and they're undoing all the consumer protection? Because of that crazy bastard that the Russians helped elect in office. And oh, by the way, he's also a criminal. Like it, it, it's not it's a, easy, a right? leap right. to, to tie right. these things together. Right. And so I think part of my job as your senator is to impeach this man and end this cruelty. If you're a brainless Beltway pundit, I guess you just, oh, we can't have two competing things in our head at the same time. But like, guess what? Smart people can. Yes. So And the Democratic base can. Yes. And the Democratic base. And, and I think even your average not. voter can. I think John in, in Des Moines. Who's just he's, he's he's independent and he's sick of hearing about the Mueller investigation. You can explain to him why un, under Trump, it's bad for health care. It's bad for jobs. It's bad for everything. And oh, by the way, he's a criminal, too. Like, I think that can resonate. What's the problem? Look, you gave him a chance. And what, what's your taxes look like this year, John? Mm-hmm. How'd that go? How many people, you know, in your community that have been laid off? Lots. Hmm. And you know why he's doing that? You know why he's doing that? Because he's not beholden to you. No, he's a rich guy. He's beholden to to rich foreigners. To rich foreigners who helped him win the election so that they could reap the benefits. He didn't give a fuck about you. Why would he? It's not that hard, you guys. It's not that friggin' hard. Uh, Anyway, yeah, so it's going to get crazier and crazier. And, and like, they're still unearthing shit. It's 500 pages. Yeah. And very few people have read the whole thing. So there's stuff in the footnotes. There's, There's, like... Stuff in appendices. Don't expect to know everything right now. And we're not going to cover all the tidbits. We're going to give you the the broader overall sort of state of things. So, but you can go online and read the whole damn thing. And if you want to send us notes on things that you found interesting, please do. I just got one from a friend of mine Mm -hmm. who um, 
was giving me shit for not reading the whole thing. And here <laughs> are his top notes. Mueller said that the biggest hindrance to the investigation was the fact that people kept lying to him. <laughs> okay. Number two, Trump referred to his campaign as an infomercial for the Trump brand. Yeah. And three, he didn't subpoena Trump because he didn't want to delay the release of the report. And I can't resist for the reason Mueller didn't make a judgment call about whether or not Trump was guilty was because more or less legalese for Trump is too stupid and it would be unfair. That's what, yeah, that's what yeah. we, what we, what we talked about. Those are about. the takeaways yeah. from one of our listeners who wanted to make me read the report. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> send us things if you want. Send us things. We'll have more to say about it you find uh, in the eggs, you let us know. intervening weeks. This is going to go on for weeks and, uh, we didn't get to talk about Barr and his shenanigans, but we will get to that next yeah. week. Probably. So, all right, I've been Travis. I'm Rachel. Stay active, stay tuned, stay involved at Irreverent Duo on Twitter, irreverenttestimony at gmail.com. Have a good week.